You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Land Surveyor Radio Hour. I'm Dr. Tony Nettleman, and I've got a, a very special uh, guest today, Dr. Kurt Worm of New Mexico State University, a program where I graduated from as a, a bachelor's student many years ago. So, uh, Kurt, thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you, Dr. Nettleman. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. So, um, there's been a lot of big things going on at New Mexico State University over the past couple of years. Uh, but before we jump into the program, uh, let's spend a little time and talk about you know who you are because I really enjoyed your classes because you're both a professional surveyor who works and also a uh, a professor at a major surveying program. So can you give us some background on uh, kind of your personal, professional life? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, you know, I, my, I kind of fell into surveying like many of us did, uh, except for you. I think you kind of had a little bit of a clear direction since you're you. <laughs> I kind of found surveying as, as an alternate occupation, but once, once I got the taste, I think I was addicted. Uh, so I then uh, I got a bachelor's degree in surveying engineering from Ferris State in Big Rapids, Michigan. And then I went to work for the U.S. Bureau of Land Management for a number of years, about 14 years in all. Um, and during that time, I was actively involved in the development of the geographic coordinate database and served on a committee that helped design both the structure of the database as well as the software that was included in that. I continued with that until we got the initial data collection pretty well underway, uh, almost complete, in, in the state office where I work, which is uh, Montana. We covered Montana, North Dakota, and South Dakota, and the other Dakotas are not 100% covered, but Montana is covered uh, border to border with few exceptions. Um, That's great. And I love it because, you know, not only do you have this professional and teaching experience, but you're you're really kind of a split between a computer science and a land surveyor, which was really, uh, you know, several decades before its time. Now that's a big deal called, you know, geospatial engineering, whatever. But you were just as much of a computer guy as you were a surveyor, it, it sounds like. That's a fact. Uh, in the field, field work, I did uh, a lot of extensive experience in boundary retracement, cadastral surveys, as well as retracement of mineral surveys, meandered bodies of water, and eventually, I think perhaps because I was the, the new young fella that was joining the staff back there in the late 80s, uh, they started kind of pushing me towards this new emerging technology with the GCDB, and, you know, it's kind of become a little bit of my, oh, I, I may claim to fame if I have fame, uh, and I stayed with that until about 1996, and I left the BOM and went to graduate school. At University of Maine, I got a master's and a Ph.D. in spatial information science and engineering. It's kind of a big title, don't you think? Uh, yeah, that is a big title. Uh, I wish the paychecks were as big as the titles they give us. Uh, that, that's a fact. <laughs> in fact, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek when I say that many of my recently graduated undergrads are making better money than us university professors. That's incredible. So after graduating with my Ph.D., uh, I applied and interviewed at numerous universities around the country, 
And um, I ended up landing here in southern New Mexico, which is really radically different for a northern fellow like me. I almost ceremoniously gave away my snow shovel. And I see that there's people in Montana right now that are using theirs today. Yeah, absolutely. So how long have you been at New Mexico State for? How many years? Uh, I've been teaching at New Mexico State since 2002. So I guess this is like my 17th year beginning right now as we're speaking. Well, that's a long time. And how did the professional experience at the BLM and other, you know, surveying jobs help prepare you for this new teaching job? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting because uh, some people, some of our listeners know about the history of the geographic coordinate database. We had a major contracting effort going on nationwide, going simultaneously in 10 states, each one of those states having, you know, 8 to 10 individuals. And so we, I did a lot of training then, training in implementation, how to abstract survey plats and when and we should go to the field notes and when we should not. And uh, I always got some pretty good feedback about the quality of teaching and, uh, you know, comments like, uh, Dr. Worm makes this fun, you know, for a rather dry subject. It, it doesn't have to be painful. I've always kind of let that be a guiding role in my, in my teaching philosophy. And it sounds like you even got a little piece of that. Absolutely. And, and it, it's funny how uh, professors who have only taught, they understand the principles very well, but they have a really hard time relating the principles to, like, practical examples or, you know, real-world scenarios, it makes the student go out and then kind of connect the dots. But it's, it's so much easier when you've got a professor that understands how this works in the real world and can sort of prepare the students for actual surveying. You know, we've had a lot of problems where the, the professionals who hire our graduates say, well, uh, they're so smart, but they can't even set up a tripod. Well, that's kind of an indicator of not being able to do any kind of practical training, only education. So how have you kind of merged the training on the practical side with the education to, to make a class? You know, it's interesting that you pick on that topic. Uh, is it okay if I refer to you as Tony? Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, Tony... Um, it always kind of really rises my anger when I hear this this discussion from perhaps some of the old school surveyors as well as even some of the younger technicians that refer to undergraduate graduate uh, graduates of an undergraduate program as you know those whippersnapper button pushers and they don't know anything about the real world. It, it always really really causes me some great pain. So, you know, we take great strides in trying to have practical examples, hands-on experience, and uh, and for many, many years, this program at New Mexico State has been enrolled in the APAT EAC Engineering Accreditation Commission, which was really kind of uh, good. It made a lot of students feel good about the quality of the education they were receiving. But at the same time, there was some negative aspects because the EAC criteria are very restrictive, and they forced us to keep a lot of incredibly high prerequisites and incredibly high mathematics and science and statistics, which was probably precluding many 
potential, very highly skilled surveyors from entering into uh, you know, this this animosity about I can't go to the university. I'm sure was being met and faced by a lot of those people. Um, so what we're doing now that we've you did know that we're kind of redesigned our program in 2016. Would you like to hear a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we should spend an entire segment on that too because it, this is a really uh, kind of a contentious thing where it went through several. It went through a big redesign, and I'm curious to know more about you know what classes got changed, and really before that, what prompted the redesign? Like, what was the what was the starter for this whole conversation? Excellent question. Uh, you know, in 2016, our undergraduate enrollment had dropped to an all-time low. We were down at the lowest pit of this despair to uh, 13 students that were currently enrolled in the program. And the state of New Mexico was having some financial exigencies, and deans at the university level began to look at this and question whether or not it was economically feasible to keep three full-time faculty members teaching a pool of 13 students going through the program. And those 13 were spread across the four classes, right? Freshman, sophomore, junior, and <laughs> That's incredible. So, I, c- I couldn't imagine, that, you know, the atmosphere that must have been like. We have three professors, and each professor has basically three students he's teaching. Well, I could say the students got a lot of hands-on attention. <laughs> okay, good. A lot of one-on-one interaction, and a lot of they got all their questions answered. And so during, during the summer of that year, 2016, I was actually on vacation at my property in Michigan, and I subscribed to the local Las Cruces, New Mexico newspaper online. And I woke up and was having my morning coffee and reading the newspaper, and on the front page of the newspaper, I almost lost my coffee on the paper. Uh, <laughs> Middle has been canceled, and it will be shut down. And it was on the cover of the paper. Well, then my phone started ringing for the next three days from others that wanted to have follow-up articles in the paper. Um, cutting to the chase, it was it was pretty much set that it was going to shut down and maybe not even open for that fall semester. Well, the, I'm thankful for the rest of our practitioners. You know, I, I know that you have a this radio show has got a huge listenership, and I want to tell all of you that it was actually the strength of our professional society in New Mexico and nationwide that actually pulled this together and allowed us to redesign, retool the program, and indeed a couple of rather large financial of our faculty members could see the writing on the wall, and one of them decided to leave service here uh, at the end of that fall semester leaving just two of us for the spring of 2017, and that that other person chose to retire at the end of that semester. So that left me for a whole year um, pretty much teaching the whole program solo with a couple of adjunct professors helping out with with an introductory class and another that helped me out with the photogrammetry class. That's incredible. You know, so basically the New Mexico... Professional surveyors in MPS formed a task force and somehow saved the program. Now, I was really insulted because on the same article uh, that they got rid of surveying at the newspaper, 
they also closed the equestrian fields for the university. So I'm not sure if they were relating horses to surveyors, but I think a lot of the administration knows more about horses than land surveying. So that was uh, kind of insulting. But, you know, somehow NMTS, with your help, saved the program and not only saved it, but you guys have an entirely new plan to get this program with students, right? Oh, exactly. Uh, and they did more than that. As far as I know, the women's equestrian program is still completely closed down. They also took away uh, access to the campus health facility. You know, uh, most campuses have a little clinic of sorts for, you know, your typical acute illness. And they took away access for all of the faculty and staff away from that, which is just now maybe beginning to get reinstated, at least partially. Um, the, the strongest players that i got to tell you about is uh, we had a person who is uh, a lead surveyor for the State Department of Transportation, who at the time... And we only have 30 seconds, Kurt, just to give you a warning. Okay, I appreciate that, man. Um, people from the Department of Transportation from the Board of Licensure in New Mexico had some strong concern about this as well. And with that in mind, we began to think about modernizing the curriculum. That's great. Well, in our next segment, let's talk about all those modernizations, the online program and some good stuff. But let's go ahead and go to break, and we'll be right back. Roger that. Want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as COGO, triangles, traverses, and more in seconds. A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Last week, my party chief said he wanted to go someplace he had never been before. So, I took him to the rear property line. Sound familiar? Are you tired of trudging all the way to the back of property lines? Why not take the steps to become a crew chief instead? 
Or even better, why not become a professional land surveyor and see your name stamped on that final survey? The Nettleman Institute of Land Surveying Engineering Technology is your next step. At NYSET, we believe you are the future of surveying, and we want to do everything we can to help you succeed at becoming a professional surveyor. NYSET offers the only online one-year certificate of land surveying program that includes all books, fees, and expenses in one simple price. Visit LandSurveyCareer.com to stop trucking through the mud and step into your future today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Welcome back to the Land Surveyor Radio Hour. I've got Dr. Kurt Wern of NMSU with me, and uh, we're talking about the newly redesigned program for surveying. So what's the new program title for this uh, degree, Kurt? Well, we made that big leap, and our new program is now a Bachelor of Science in Geomatics. Bachelors of Science in Geomatics. And it was previously a Bachelor's of Science in Land Surveying Engineering. So why did you change the name? Well, part of the reason was that we knew that by changing to geomatics, this was going to be perhaps broadening the cutting-edge technology that so many young people are looking for. So we designed this new program to provide this cutting-edge industry needs as well as to meet education requirements for licensure as a professional surveyor in New Mexico and most of the most of our states for sure okay um, now was the was the board of land surveying in New Mexico surprised when the the dean decided to shut down the surveying program I would have to say more than surprise would be an understatement with that one of the first <laughs> that I made was to the chairman of our board of licensure, and I thought I would be surprising him with this news, but he apparently had just read the same news on the cover of the Albuquerque Journal. So he was... That's uh, incredible. uh, We were all in shock, okay? So we decided that something had to be done. We needed to pony up and come up with some matching funds to help resolve this financial problem that the university and, in fact, the state had at the time. We retooled and part of this was, uh, you know, online education is continuing to become larger and larger as we, as we move forward. So this program that we designed, the NMSU Geomatics program, it can still be completed in a traditional way via NMSU main campus using traditional in-class style of instruction, applied hands-on laboratory learning. But we also realized that one of the limits of our enrollment was people that just claimed that I, there's no way I can leave my job, pack up my family, and move to Las Cruces for four years to, to further my career. So with that in mind, we decided to work towards a two-year distance delivery of the final two years, sometimes called the plus-two approach, with the idea that a student could complete their first two years, perhaps at your local community college, and then transfer to complete a bachelor's degree at NMSU. Now, this required our administration to swallow a couple of bitter pills that they didn't really want to do. Uh, for one, they, you know, they had used to have residency requirements of being on campus and 
participated in the university culture, well, that's a lot of that has relaxed. We've we've been. I spent all of 2017 working and reaching out to community colleges that had surveying technology or even the CAD civil survey drafting kind of programs. And so we've, we've got either formal or informal agreements with colleges such as the Doniana Community College here in Las Cruces, Central New Mexico and Albuquerque, SIPI, uh, the Southwest Indian Polytechnic Institute in Albuquerque, which largely their student body are Native American people. We've worked with Ohio, uh, Oklahoma State University and Oklahoma City, San Diego Canyon College in California, Clark College, Tyler Junior College in Texas, Evergreen Valley in California, Lone Star College in Texas. College Everybody, in okay. Yeah. And That's indeed, great. After those cold calls, the fun thing is uh, showing our growth and our, and our success. We've taken that 13 students at the pit, and we have tripled. We're close to 36 students right now currently enrolled in the program. Wow. That's a big change from 13. And just for people who don't know, NMSU is the only bachelor's program in New Mexico for surveying, and a bachelor's of surveying is required to practice in New Mexico, right? That's correct. And, and indeed, this is something that we continue to look at. This, is, this might take us on to a slightly different topic, but, you know, the boards of licensure around the nation um, – still continue to wrestle with that, partly because of the low number of people entering the profession. Um, someone had introduced legislation in New Mexico just, just last this winter in January, and it went through our Board of Licensure, and then somehow even without approval from the Board of Licensure, it ended up as a House bill and a separate but equal bill in the Senate. I immediately went to Albuquerque to meet with these people in the legislature, and we were able to kind of circumvent that issue, but then following that, I was at the, NES, the NSPS conference back in Washington and discovered that Texas had undergone just a very similar thing two weeks after us. So, yeah, yeah I'm, a little, I'm a little bit fearful of that. What well, you know, I am too, and I'm not really sure, you know, what kind of degree is the best choice for surveying but it seems like our topics are getting more and more advanced, you know, laser scanning, UAS, all this great technology. And I think it's very difficult to put all of those complex geomatics topics in such a short time frame of a year or two. But I was very surprised that Texas reduced its degree requirement while other states raised their degree requirements over the past few years. So it seems like no state legislature knows the answer. They're just changing but I'm glad that bill was quashed in New Mexico. So you got the bill quashed. You're the only four-year program. Where do you see, uh, you know, wh where do you see the program going from here? You know, how are you building this new, uh, this new degree? You know, it's one of our strong advocates is the National Council for Engineering Examiners, NCEES, and. Many of you may notice that uh, New Mexico State received the grand prize for the surveying program this year. And I've got to tell you, the thing that probably stood out in our application for that prize, compared with many of the others, was this incredible emphasis that we put on recruitment and outreach. I, had, I hired two local professionals as adjunct professors, 
And by and large, that was their number one charge, was to do these outreach activities, to visit with high schools, not just the three or four local high schools in our town, but reaching out to the more rural communities, which is oftentimes where we find young surveying people. I've been working with the Boy Scouts of America and have the, the local councils in El Paso, Texas, and for two years now we've we've been teaching a surveying merit edge group, and some of your listeners probably have some experience with that and realize that it's it's actually a pretty good introduction to the profession. We haven't stopped at just trying to advertise for high school seniors. It's generally too late. We reached out to the underclassmen at high school, and we reached down into the middle schools and even to the elementary schools that are beginning to do more pre-career planning, okay? Now, this business about the two plus two, most of the community colleges, even if it's a CAD drafting kind of a program, there are additional courses that a student could take above and beyond what their original requirements are. I'm thinking things like physics one and two, calculus one possibly calculus too, other lab science activities. Of course, there's a common core with the general education stuff that's pretty much across the board nationwide. But, uh, you know, thinking that students could take many of these additional courses in addition to their associate's degree, and then we, in turn, then accept them and find places to fill in their entire freshman year, sophomore year, which is about 60 credits. Now, some students might have 65 or 70, um, perhaps having to fill in deficiencies or whatever. But it's a 120-credit-hour Bachelor of Science degree, and students typically begin in their junior year here. And there are indeed students that are still in the community college program in their sophomore year at community college, and I encourage them to enroll at NMSU simultaneously. This is something outside of the box that many of them have never considered that they could actually be enrolled in and taking classes at more than one university at the same time. Sure. Uh, Well, what a huge change. You know, you used to have a four-year program that was live in class only for a select group of students, and now you have a two-plus-two, which is, if I understand it, both live or online, and you've also really expanded your topics, right? You've gone from just traditional surveying to more emerging technologies. Is that correct? Oh, exactly. Of course, we left the core things like the U.S. Public Land Survey System, um, a business law, basic business law, our normal boundary surveying introductory class, the advanced boundary surveying class, and a land development class. The legal track is still intact. But there are many other things that were kind of on the fringe that we were including that have gone away. So we've included... Uh, Let me cut you off right there. We've got uh, another break. When we come back, I want to hear all about the curriculum. Sounds perfect, Mr. Nettleman. We'll talk to you soon. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number. 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today.
last week, my party chief said he wanted to go someplace he had never been before. So I took him to the rear property line. Sound familiar? Are you tired of trudging all the way to the back of property lines? Why not take the steps to become a crew chief instead? Or even better, why not become a professional land surveyor and see your name stamped on that final survey? The Nettleman Institute of Land Surveying Engineering Technology is your next step. At NYSET, we believe you are the future of surveying, and we want to do everything we can to help you succeed at becoming a professional surveyor. NYSET offers the only online one-year certificate of land surveying program that includes all books, fees, and expenses in one simple price. Visit LandSurveyCareer.com to stop trucking through the mud and step into your future today. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. Want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as COGO, triangles, traverses, and more in seconds. A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. Uh, we left off our discussion on the new curriculum changes to the surveying program at NMSU. And I'm really curious to hear about this because when I went through the program with Dr. Worm, I took his boundary law course. And, you know, taking the final exam, I remember thinking, this was like God's words being put into my ears. It was almost like a religious experience. You know, such uh, awesome core principles of surveying, which I'd used for years, but really got to write about it and explain it in my own words through like a two-hour exam. And it was really fun to do. And I hope that's not changing in the new program, Kurt. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Nettleman. First of all, that was very flattering to hear that you enjoyed my final exam. (laughs) (laughs) I hope that continues. And I'm certainly not uh, the, the Lord, but I, you know, from time to time I feel like I'm a little bit of one of his speakers. We, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. There are many people that came before us that uh, have carved out our fundamental role as professional surveyors long before you and I ever entered into the picture. So the best we can do is to try to uh, cling to those historical concepts, perhaps modernizing them as we can. 
But now, concerning the technology, we've got an awful lot of technological changes, right? And so, you know, as I said just before our break, the, the legal components are still intact largely as they were, other than they're now also available via distance delivery. But we have other classes. We, had a, we used to have a 200-level photogrammetry class, and this was uh, kind of tedious for most, using 20-year-old, 30-year-old technology to try to learn the concepts of photogrammetry. And certainly this is one of the areas where modern practice in surveying has changed radically. I can remember at the beginning of my career in the early 90s and the late 80s, if a practicing surveyor wanted to do photogrammetry, it essentially meant that we're going to have another contract with another with another party to be conducting that. Whereas in modern practice, uh, a lot of us have got a little drone technology or fancy drone technology, and we do a lot of that stuff in-house from more than just the field control, but actually performing the flight, processing the data, and producing project deliverables. So that photogrammetry class is now called precise digital mapping, uh, but it's largely photogrammetry principles using drone technology and, and so forth. Wow, I'm jealous. I'm so jealous of that because, you know, you have to be able to, to kind of live in the past to operate on the boundary surveying side, but you also have to really know a, a very high level of technology like PIX4D, drone deploy, all these software to operate in the real world these days. And um, is that kind of what you're doing in the photogrammetry course? You know, I would have to take it one step further, Tony, and say that some of these software tools that we have are so incredibly powerful that I've seen some products that are absolute garbage. I've seen topographic maps that are trying to draw contours over the top of a haystack. But, you know, <laughs> so it's more than the data collection and more than just the software process processing. Any of us can set it all up and click the magic go button. But it takes still professional interpretation of what are we looking at to remove the haystack, for example, out of the point cloud data and, and to properly then draw the contours underneath that portable haystack. Um, geodesy, it hasn't changed a whole lot, so we still have the core principles of geodesy at a 300 level. But moving on from that, we have got another course about emerging topics in geomatics. And in this class, we have some hands-on activities that are employing both the laser scanner technology, possibly some drone technology, and robotic total stations. Um, geodesy leads us into a GNSS positioning, which is a, above and beyond and expanded from the old GPS class because uh, we're in a global environment now. Um, our GIS component has raised from what used to be at a 200 level all the way up to a 400-level senior advanced GIS class because we know that that introductory GIS is one of those courses that's going to be coming to us from the community college scenario. So we get a chance to focus on the advanced interpretation and advanced data to product deliverables rather than how to use the software. We don't like to do that. Um, I like that. And you can go and take a two-day course on how to use a piece of software and be able to click buttons. But it's really dangerous when you have people who are technicians authoring data because it may be technically okay in terms of, like, software functions, 
but it may not have any basis in accuracy or precision. And if you put your licensing stamp on a map or a or something else, you know, you better make sure that it is accurate and precise, which is always scares me with these technicians. Excellent. Well said. Um, which correlates really closely with professional responsibilities and ethics. And since we get to focus on the junior and senior year, and many of these students that come from the community colleges are better prepared. Uh, you know, I mean, universities are fine, but they oftentimes historically have had an ivory tower view of the world, and the community colleges historically are hands-on. So we're kind of relying on them to teach the how-tos, and we get to focus more on the why force. Um, our professional ethics would dictate that we would not be producing those data products, and certainly there's a liability issue about putting your stamp on there should it become the case. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you teach these new surveyors how to think as opposed to just pressing the buttons? I mean, what's the kind of pedagogy you're trying to get these people into? You know, I'll be absolutely honest with you, Tony, and I'm going to correct that word pedagogy. I'm going to call it andragogy. And andragogy is the education of adults. And in this new model, most of my students, I'm saying most, not all, are currently working. Some of them have got years' worth of experience working for a surveyor or for a government entity, but not with this formal education. So with that in mind, as, a, as an adult seeking to expand their own career potential, they are coming with a motivation that we don't typically see from a 19-year-old kid fresh out of high school. The 19-year-old kids, we have to motivate. These people are coming to the table ready to learn, eager to learn, and my real task is to teach them why they need to know this. And once I've accomplished that, I notice that nature flows along, and they tend to be incredibly highly motivated students capable of independent thought and learning, but in our, in our online learning environment, I also try to build inclusion. And I have group projects, for example, where a student in California is partnering with a student in Minnesota who are partnering with another student right here in Las Cruces, and they can get together in this online meeting room 24-7, as well as being able to dial in with a remote login to use our, you know, the highly specialized, expensive software that we have in our laboratories that these students at a distance do not necessarily have. So, I, you know, the technology has been a huge driver on facilitating this, this group dynamic and getting people to work together. That's great. And I've seen that, too. You know, several people in our NYSET certificate program and the test prep we offer, they are older. They've been working for a long time and they're really fed up with being stuck in a technician's job. You know, the pay isn't, isn't very good. Uh, their superiors, who they have to answer to, may not have the knowledge they have, but because of the superior's college degree or some other kind of advancement, um, this person's in charge. Well, the technicians want to move up in the world, want to get licensed, want to make more money, better provide for their families, and they're willing to sacrifice and to really, you know, take time to study and learn in order to move up as quickly and as efficiently as possible. I love that. The distance delivery facilitates that dramatically. Uh, you know, and many of my students are still full-time, gainfully employed people in their own location. 
uh, and they don't have to sacrifice their job. They don't have to pack up their family and move across the country. Um, and they they might not typically take 15 credit hours per semester, which would make it a true plus two, right? The truth of the matter is many of these more mature students uh, are willing to do this in a part-time environment, um, which is good for both them as well as for me. I get to count them for another year or two if they choose to take three years to complete their two-year. Um, but it's, it's just the flexibility that it provides for them to not have to abandon their family or move their family or to quit their job. And if they only take one or two classes per semester, that's fine, and they can do it in the comfort of their own home or their office. And, and as long as we're still interacting, our lectures are still presented pretty much in the traditional style. But I've had a huge enhancement on classroom technology, and this came again from one of those donations. The big, huge donation came from uh, the Public Utilities of New Mexico, or PNM. It was an incredibly generous donation. And I took a traditional classroom, and I've now got it equipped with an 84-inch touchscreen monitor that I can stand in front of, pan, tilt, zoom, cameras from all over the classroom, embedded noise-canceling microphones and speakers everywhere in the classroom. So everyone that's present live can actually interact and visit with, even face-to-face, -face, with a distant student who might be sitting at a laptop computer with his webcam and the built-in microphone. And there's a sense of inclusion that even though we're separated by miles and miles, we're still all in this together and we're all still in the same room simultaneously. That's incredible. And, you know, it was such a, um, a, a punch to the gut when we heard that NMSU would be shutting down. But really, the low enrollment and the struggle you all have gone through over the past few years, you know, may actually be worth it because you're one of the first four-year programs that are doing online distance education, and really there's very few other places these working professionals could get a bachelor's of surveying, and I think none uh, which have ABET accreditation. So uh, in our last few seconds before the break, what a benefit to the profession. You know, I hope that not only New Mexico students get involved in this, but also students from all the states realize the value of this degree, and you can do it in just a couple of credit hours per semester and still, over a number of years, get that bachelor's degree and, uh, and seriously move up in your career. So, you know, and Dr. Worm, you're pretty much the, um, the instigator of this entire change along with the New Mexico professional surveyors. So thank you for all the work you've done. And uh, when we come back, let's talk about the profession in general and where it's going from here. Want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as COGO, triangles, traverses, and more in seconds. 
A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. Last week, my party chief said he wanted to go someplace he had never been before. So, I took him to the rear property line. Sound familiar? Are you tired of trudging all the way to the back of property lines? Why not take the steps to become a crew chief instead? Or even better, why not become a professional land surveyor and see your name stamped on that final survey? The Nettleman Institute of Land Surveying Engineering Technology is your next step. At NYSET, We believe you are the future of surveying, and we want to do everything we can to help you succeed at becoming a professional surveyor. NYSET offers the only online one-year certificate of land surveying program that includes all books, fees, and expenses in one simple price. Visit LandSurveyCareer.com to stop trucking through the mud and step into your future today. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Land Surveyor Radio Hour. Uh, over the past couple of segments, we talked to uh, Kurt about the NMSU program, the changes in curriculum, all the, the trials it's gone through. But to zoom out in our last segment, I'd like to be in the discussion by asking you, Kurt, what do you think is going to happen to the profession in terms of number of licensees, uh, education requirements, and how do those two terms kind of interact with each other? How do they, you know, pull the levers? Well, I, I think you would agree with me, Tony, that um, we are a profession that is largely driven by our technology. But as, as boundary surveyors, like yourself and myself, we know that there's still always this tie back to our traditional role. But I think what we're seeing now is that with all of this new demand for digital spatial data products, that we have a larger customer base than we ever before had. 
if you think about it, surveyors historically we had like two two basic products. We produced boundary surveys and we did a lot of support for construction and engineering design. But with all of this new demand for digital mapping and digital spatial databases that still have to be certified by a professional, um, I think we've greatly expanded our customer base and perhaps doubled or tripled our product line is another way to say that. So I, I think that our demand is continuing to grow. In fact, in New Mexico, I can promise you one of our features is we can boast, and we do on our website, that we have 100% placement of our graduates. And I will tell you that 95% of that 100% are employed before they ever even graduate. The other five... I love that. You know, some might go to graduate school, going to further become masters in their own chosen branch of this. Um, it's beyond that. I'm seeing salaries increasing dramatically from... From when I was an undergraduate back in the 1980s to when you were an undergraduate in the early 2000s to now, um, the national median salary is about $69,000 a year. I would have never dreamed of a salary of that size in the 1980s. I got a couple of recent graduates that are like within the last two or three years. Um, I think that the state boards of licensure are beginning to have a little greater regard for experience earned while still a student. And I know I've got some of these adult students that have got previous experience. When they finally apply to take their fundamentals exam, they take and pass. And many of them are even being allowed to sit for the professional principles of practice exam at just one or two exam cycles later. And some of them are moving on and becoming licensed in multiple states, working for large companies. Um, the national economics structure is a piece of that. We got a lot of oil and gas development in New Mexico, and of course that drives a big demand for surveying and accurate positioning. Um, the ALTA ACSM or NSPS um, ALTA surveys continue to be important for uh, commercial developments. Uh, people just don't want to bite off on liability without having someone that they can rely on. And I think that that's an incredibly important piece of our of our future. Yeah, and it surprises me that if I'm an attorney or a civil engineer or somebody else, a doctor, there's a very strict curriculum that's followed in every university program. You know, in every law program in the country, the first-year classes are the exact same, property, tort, civil procedure. And many of those classes, the, the topics have been taught for decades. But in surveying, we are changing so rapidly from traditional surveying to a mix of traditional surveying and new technologies, you know, geomatics, that a, a lot of curriculums around the country are quite different, and no one seems to have a set curriculum for a one-year, two-year, four-year program. So how should these programs adapt to all these big technological changes? Um, that's that's a great great example. Um, for example, when you were an undergraduate, you took a course with me that was titled Construction Surveying. You know, and we staked out curves, and we did spiral curves, and we did an alignment with a vertical curve. Well, the new title of the same class is Construction Surveying and Automation Technologies. I think that there's a lot of professional surveyors right now that struggle a little bit with certifying digital products that are going to be used for machine control and precision farming, et cetera, 
And, you know, we at least try to make sure that everyone is aware of the professional obligation to certify and the accuracy of these products. It's still concerned about what happens to this data file after it leaves my office, right? Everyone's going to still struggle with that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of surveying as like a clock. And there's a gear for education. There's a gear for experience, the employer's. And there's also a gear for the professional licensing boards, what they're doing to us. And what's funny is the old construction surveying course was probably better for students to pass the FS exam because they do all that stuff and they have no interest in automation. But the new construction course is better for employers because you've got more practical, employable students. So how do you deal with these you know, competing um, requirements, competing, you know, necessities. Of course, you know that we can't speak anything specific about the fundamentals or the principles and practice exams, but I think that NCEES themselves are well aware of this, of this evolving nature of our profession, which is why they, they hire you know, big groups of volunteers to write new exam questions, and they continue to evolve the exam content to kind of address some of these things. When, when we received this award this year for the grand prize, I, I was kind of touched by one of the comments from one of the NCEES professors. He said that he called NMSU pioneers. And just before we went to the last break, you had mentioned that, you know, there may not be a lot of other choices out here. Well, that's kind of hinting at that pioneering aspect of what we're doing. But I would like to mention that there are many other choices, and there always has been other choices. Not all of them are acceptable to all boards of licensure. But uh, I know that in about the same time frame that we've been doing this, uh, Idaho State has been putting a lot of courses online. University of Maine has got online for undergraduate and master's degrees. East Tennessee State is doing things along this line. And indeed, Great Basin College in Elko, Nevada has been doing this for a long time. And I certainly don't want to sound like I'm in competition with any of them. I know that they're all taught by very talented professionals. And I think that we're all united in that what we really want to do is to make this a little bit better for all of us. And I think there's room for growth for all of these goals as well as others. Um, Which leads me to this one last piece that I wanted to interject here, Tony. The question might come up from some of your listeners, how can I know? Because this sounds kind of exciting and it sounds kind of good. And I know that not everyone that listens to this radio show comes to the national meetings, but at the national meeting in this last, um, I guess it was February, maybe it was March, um, we were talking about the same topic, and one of the topics that I brought up is state societies around the nation have been incredibly generous to support students of surveying or dramatics, if you will. And most of these same states have got scholarship programs, and while scholarships sound really good, I'm not going to sound like a mean guy here, I hope. Scholarship, <laughs> a scholarship award helps a person or maybe a small handful of people. But considering a donation to the program itself would benefit all students rather than just a few. For example, buy technology to uh, upgrade a classroom to implement these fancy network requirements, and so on. And, and, I, and I think, again, since we've got a changing student body, and many of them 
are already gainfully employed. I, those are not students that even apply for scholarships. They, you know, I got a job. I got a family. I'm not going to apply for a scholarship. It was like welfare, some would say. Well, certainly it's not intended to be welfare. It's intended to help out those that are maybe economically disadvantaged. And I don't think it should end. But I think maybe in the big picture, there's a better balance that from, from Maine to Southern California, working with your local community colleges or your local Bachelor of Science program and talk to the professors because they know most what an additional, you know, a windfall of money from one state or two or three states pooling their funds together. I think New England, um, Maine is the only one in, in a variety for many states around. But if Vermont had some money and New Hampshire had some money and Maine, and they pooled their funds, they, they might end up with a sizable chunk of change that would actually allow them to do something meaningful rather than handing out a few $5,000 scholarships. Absolutely. And before we have to close out our show today, Kurt, can you tell us uh, what's the website we go to to find uh, your program? Uh, excellent question, Tony. Um, I think I got it right here on the screen. Uh, et.nmsu.edu. Now, that's going to take us to the total top-level page of the Department Engineering Technology and Surveying Engineering. We have a number of programs from Civil Engineering Technology, Mechanical Information Communicate, and, and us. We're all lumped in there together. That's great. From the top well, page. Check that out, et.nmsu.edu. And, Kurt, thank you so much for joining us on the Radio Hour today. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dr. Nunnerman. It's been a pleasure to join you today. All right. We'll be back next week. Tune in. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.